Welcome to ContraCast, pop culture news, commentary, and interviews from a unique, honest, and fun perspective. I'm your host, Christopher Lawrence. Recently, Dark Souls was named, I want to make sure I get the title of the award right because, whew, it is a doozy of hyperbole. Okay, Dark Souls was named, quote, the ultimate game of all time. This is a hard sell. And anyone who knows me knows I love that game. It is absolutely one of my all-time favorites. I own multiple copies and different versions across multiple platforms. I even bought the remaster. I know, I know. I'm a tremendous admirer of Miyazaki, the brain behind the Soulsborne franchise. And my journey with the From Software titles didn't begin with Dark Souls or Bloodborne, not even close. In fact, I may have more hours logged in Demon Souls than in either of them. I've even spent a tremendous amount of hours with both versions of Dark Souls 2. Because I guess I hate myself. So I love this franchise. I got good as soon as I could. I've poured over the series of too slower, agonized over character builds, dug through each one of the Future Press game guides. I've spent hours listening to Epic Name Bro. Now that's an OG Dark Souls community reference. So I can tell you, I genuinely love these games. But ultimate game of all time? All time is a long time. I don't know that I can get there. I want to read the full list of games that were nominated for this award to give some sense of what Dark Souls beat out. It starts off with Doom from 1993, a classic. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, a masterpiece. Half-Life 2, incredibly innovative and genre-defining. Minecraft, well, your grandma probably knows what Minecraft is. Street Fighter 2 defined the modern fighting game. Tetris, it's Tetris. The Last of Us, well, that doesn't belong there. Super Mario 64, which moved Mario into 3D and allowed us to finally answer the question, just how fat is he really? Metal Gear Solid. Halo Combat Evolved. Super Mario Bros. 3. GTA 5. Portal, which revolutionized the idea of the puzzle game. And also of funny games. Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Now, that doesn't belong there either. Just because you're the least terrible Call of Duty game doesn't mean you're one of the greatest games of all time. Pac-Man. It's Pac-Man. Super Mario Kart. Space Invaders. The original SimCity from 1989, still playable to this day by Strategy Heads. Pokemon Go. No, no, no. So, what's missing from this list? What are the games which could have dethroned Dark Souls? Or which games should have at least been in the running? Well, I'm going to tell you. And obviously, spoilers for, like, everything. Okay, first, there are people who would say the most glaring omission is Skyrim. They're wrong, but I get it. Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, I know this game relatively speaking, is very new. And you're probably thinking I've fallen victim to recency bias. 
But if you've played this game for any length of time, you understand it already deserves to be ranked among the greatest of all time. Look, I rarely go for platinum trophies these days. Just going to be honest with you. I have a new baby, a million podcasts to work on, stacks of books I want to read. And for most games, it's just not worth it. It's either a mindless collectathon or some kind of obscure time sink that adds nothing to the experience. But I got the Platinum Trophy for Ghost of Tsushima almost without realizing it. It's not that it was overly easy or simplistic. It's that it was fun. Imagine that. It only required me to do things that were equally as engaging as everything else in the game. And I wanted to see what that final faceplate or straw samurai hat variant looked like, and if it gave me any bonuses. And Ghost of Tsushima's world was so compelling and beautiful that exploring every inch of it never felt like a chore and always like a treat. Monkey Island 2, Lee Chuck's Revenge Ron Gilbert's masterpiece began with protagonist Guybrush Threepwood dangling over a bottomless pit and ended in a carnival with a cliffhanger that seemingly threw everything we thought we knew about Monkey Island out the window. Had it all been a dream? Had it only taken place in a young boy's imagination? Was it another cursed voodoo spell from the dread pirate LeChuck? To this day, the mystery has not been answered, at least not officially. But what we have been left with is one of the most well-paced, well-written, well-designed, memorable, and funniest point-and-click adventure games of all time. And in a genre that often relies heavily on humor, it contains such classics as Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango. That's high praise. Fallout 2. Fallout 2 was a big step ahead from the previous game, which was already a near masterpiece, and not just for its time. You start your journey across the post-apocalyptic landscape as a tribesman with nothing but a spear and a loincloth, and eventually become a feared wanderer of the wastes in a suit of power armor, fending off super mutants and death claws with a gauze gun and a gatling laser. How you accomplish the goals that lead there, and whether you even do any of it, is entirely up to you. It's astonishing how flexible and open this game really is. Almost no game to this day gives you this level of true freedom. A lot of games play at it. The world is vast and open and populated with a wide array of characters, and it hands you an absolutely fluid system of morality that allows you to interact with them in any way you wish. Want to be a greedy, indifferent murder machine that lays waste to entire settlements to scavenge their goods? Get powerful enough and you can. Want to limit your killing to rad scorpions and death claws? And deal with people fairly and honestly? You can do that too. You can place zero points in your character's intelligence and play as a complete dimwit, changing all your dialogue options so you sound near caveman-like. This is the funniest and arguably best way to play. But maybe save it for your second playthrough. The point is, the game can be played the way you want, and it rewards you for doing so. It is the opposite of On Rails. It certainly deserves a place on this list. Red Dead Redemption 2. 
Where do I begin? Red Dead 2 is not just the greatest Western-themed video game ever made. Its story, atmosphere, voice acting, writing, character development, plot twists, cinematography, scenery, and attention to detail rank it among the best Westerns ever made, period. You can watch the cutscenes like a film, and it is incredibly entertaining. But what makes it even more engaging than many Western films is that it's not a passive experience. You control the main character and what a character he is. Arthur Morgan is one of the most compelling characters in modern fiction of any medium. And yes, I read books. By turns intimidating and sympathetic, gruff yet fiercely loyal, ultimately to a fault, Arthur embodies the kind of smartly written, complex, and thoughtful character we see so infrequently in Westerns. Add to this the absolutely sprawling environment Arthur is placed in, where, like Ghost of Tsushima and Fallout 2, you have tremendous freedom. Ride the open plains, hunting bison, fish in mighty rivers for a legendary bass, rob or hijack a train, then drive it over the snowy mountains, help strangers in need, break up bandit camps, play at being a sophisticated city boy for a while, before shooting that mouthy shop clerk and being ridden out of town by the sheriff and his posse. It's all there for the taking and the experiencing. But when you finally do get back to the main story, you'll find an engaging emotional roller coaster that really has you feeling sympathy for an outlaw who time and progress are quickly passing by. Uncharted 2. The wisecracking treasure hunter trope had always been best embodied by Indiana Jones, but since he has abdicated the throne as king of that genre, we've been given a worthy successor in Nathan Drake. For years, video games attempted to mirror the feel of Hollywood blockbusters, usually falling short, often comically so. But when the Uncharted franchise came into its own with the second installment, that changed. Here was a charming lead character, part Harrison Ford, part Nathan Fillion, surrounded by an engaging cast of supporting characters who, like a smarter version of the crew from the Fast and Furious films, were really like family. Smart, funny, and realistic dialogue combined with fantastic set pieces, a compelling plot, stellar voice acting work, and action and traversal gameplay that was always fun and immersive, and took the Tomb Raider formula, perfected it, and turned it up to 11, meant that with Among Thieves, the Uncharted franchise was off and running. The series arguably stumbled a bit with its third chapter, but ultimately and arguably gave us its best installment with the satisfying and masterful end that was Uncharted 4. But Among Thieves is where it all gelled. The storytelling, the design, the pacing, the relationships and interplay among the varied cast of supporting characters, all rivaling and often surpassing anything trudged out by Hollywood in recent years. All that means that Uncharted 2's absence from this list is a great oversight. Fallout New Vegas Though like Fallout 3 before it, Fallout New Vegas is a departure 
from much of the groundwork laid in Fallout 1 and 2, it also becomes a beast of its own. It's hard to quantify exactly what it is about New Vegas that makes it so great. And I think the answer is different for different types of players. New Vegas is truly greater than the sum of its parts. Like Fallout 3, New Vegas drops you in an incredibly harsh, post-apocalyptic, nuclear war-decimated America. But unlike Fallout 3, something about it keeps the tone from ever becoming completely dour and oppressive. Much of this is owed to the writing, which is clever and compelling and never falls into cliches, something so easy to do when using dystopian and post-apocalyptic scenarios. The writing is so smart that you almost overlook the absolutely abysmal phoned-in performance from Friends Matthew Perry, and many still regard his character of Benny as a favorite. Certainly he delivers the game's second most iconic line, aside from the series standard, War never changes, when he says, face it, the game was rigged from the start. One thing that New Vegas carries through from Fallout 2 is its gameplay fluidity and the way it allows you to deal with situations and interactions the way you want to. Playing the different factions, Caesar's Legion, the inimitable Mr. House, the new California Republic, against each other, Yojimbo style, siding with one flat out, or trying to avoid them all as much as possible. Add to all that the real-time combat and VATS and crafting systems tweaked to be more enjoyable and player-friendly without sacrificing complexity where it's required. Interesting moral decisions, shades of gray character interactions, branching dialogue options with actual consequences, and you have a hell of a game. New Vegas also lives on long past what would have been most other games' well-overdue expiration date through an incredibly robust, dedicated, and often brilliant modding community. Shadow of the Colossus. There's no way to adequately describe in words the feeling of awe you experience climbing over that ridge and seeing your first Colossus. Towering into the sky, slow-moving, massive. And you, tasked with the impossible feat of bringing it down with only a tiny sword and your faithful horse, Agro. This way launches an incredible adventure, largely wordless, against seemingly impossible odds for the life of someone you love. But like so many great stories, this one is not all that it seems. Shadow of the Colossus introduces verticality to gameplay in a way never done before or since. Clambering up enormous, swaying, flailing, sometimes swimming and flying colossi, the strength in your arms slowly failing as you search in desperation for a weak point. All while traversing an environment which, especially in Bluepoint Games' masterful remake, is absolutely beautiful. Shadow of the Colossus is an experience like almost nothing else. The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 is a complex multi-headed beast, with its hindquarters covered in mud while its mane is glistening and luxurious. A beautiful and massive near open world whose environments, 
like its quests, run the gamut from the filthy and mundane to the opulent and exhilarating. Through one lore-heavy main quest and two absolutely masterful DLCs, which are at least as good as the main game and arguably better, The Witcher 3 is one game I'm reluctant to spoil at all. The story, the scenery, the characters, the gameplay, the choices, the exploration, the dialogue, and yes, even the much maligned combat all need to be experienced for yourself. This game is so good, it contains within it another game, Gwent, which almost seems like a bit of a throwaway time killer when you first encounter it in The Witcher. People spent so much time and energy playing it that it was developed into its own fantastic standalone game. The Witcher 3 creates such a sense of reality within a high fantasy world that has almost never been accomplished before. The characters that populate the world of The Witcher and the environments they inhabit could be found in pubs in London or in the Scottish countryside. Except with less griffins killing the cattle. I normally love character creation in RPGs. It's one of the defining traits of the genre, and is often tied directly into what enables the idea of role-playing. But with The Witcher, I don't mind this aspect not being there. Geralt is such an incredibly developed protagonist, perfectly so, and incredibly suited to this world, while seemingly being exasperated with all of it, that to place a user-created character in his place would break the magic of the game. Bioshock. If you haven't played the original Bioshock, and if you're a gamer and you're listening to this, that's hard for me to imagine. Then it is also a title I am reluctant to spoil. There is a mind-shattering twist in the game that has become so iconic that attempts to emulate it always end up as cliched. Even later games in the Bioshock series fell short when attempting to utilize the same sort of revelatory narrative disruption that the first game pulled off so successfully. What you have with Bioshock is ostensibly a first-person shooter, but one which is mechanically masterful. And with the addition of plasmids, biological powers that you acquire through genetic manipulation, and enhance through one of the game's most meaningful choices... Bioshock is not a game which shies away from difficult moral decisions. And which path you pick and choice you make when it comes to the game's little sisters just might say something about you that you wouldn't like. The game's setting, the fictional city of Rapture, and the philosophies it was founded on will always be thought-provoking and sadly also continue to be relevant. Castlevania Symphony of the Night Symphony of the Night is what really defined what we know as the modern Metroidvania, a genre I am particularly fond of. Super Metroid, another favorite of mine, certainly set an impressive stage for these games, but Symphony of the Night completely elevated the elaborate and beautiful nature of the performance which takes place there. The game not only features controls that make many modern games feel tanky, but also an expansive game world that never bores you and constantly rewards you for exploring it. It's hard to make backtracking not feel monotonous, but not once does revisiting the same areas repeatedly in Symphony 
ever get boring or repetitive, as each is beautiful and very different from the last. Plus, on return visits, you'll be wielding new abilities and new weapons and items that you didn't possess in the first time through, and new secrets will open up to you. And boy, is this game big on its secrets. Also, the music. What can I possibly say about the music? Symphony of the Night has one of the most apt titles of any video game ever, as you will be constantly swept up and blown away by the range of incredible tunes, each perfectly fitting to the area they play in. And the closing credit song, which has become something of a meme, couldn't be replaced with anything else. But one of the most astonishing things about Symphony of the Night is that it was entirely possible, especially before the days of internet strategy guides, to completely miss half of the game. Yes, it was possible to beat the game and seemingly get the true ending without discovering the inverted castle, full of new enemies, new areas, new items, new equipment, which netted you a new ending. This was astounding. I want to also give a quick mention to Portal 2, which I think should have supplanted Portal 1 on the list. Both were incredibly successful, complex puzzle games wrapped in the veneer of a first-person shooter, and both made excellent use of humor. But Portal 2 has a special place in my heart as a comedian because while plenty of games try to make you laugh, Portal 2, even more than Portal 1, succeeds over and over and over. And while plenty of games try to make you think, Portal 2 forces you to in ways that are completely outside the box. You have to do exactly what Doc Brown advises Marty to do in Back to the Future 3, think fourth dimensionally. The inclusion of Stephen Merchant as Wheatley is one of the most masterful jobs of casting, maybe in the history of games. You really need to experience it to see how funny, smart, and fun it is. So, in the face of so many incredible games, and this is a very, very short list, so many incredible games, so many important games, games that were revolutionary, and many of which I can sit down and play again today, and do, and enjoy just as much as the first time. What are we to make of Dark Souls being named the ultimate game of all time? Well, I don't really know. I'm not mad at the choice, being the diehard Soulsborne fan that I am, but I also sense it's somehow wrong. What do you think? If you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, let me know down in the comments. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Christopher Lawrence, and this is ContraCast. <laughs>